so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Parenting is hard work, but many Christian parents don't realize that it actually involves spiritual warfare. In fact, Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against heavenly principalities. At the ERLC National Conference, Philip Bethencourt shed light on how this plays out in parenting in his talk, Family Feud, Parenting and Spiritual Warfare. We hope this message equips you to be intentional in your parenting. Ephesians chapter 6, talking about a familiar passage, but applying it to the life and the realm of parenting. Have you ever noticed that parenting is hard? I imagine some of you kind of limped in here to this conference this week. You barely survived the summer. And every day you wake up and saying, I'm not sure I can do this again. You're always on your toes when you're a parent. You're having to think through how to answer difficult questions or make uh, decisions that aren't always black and white and think through what are the implications of what I'm doing right now going to be for when this child grows up. And the reason that parenting is hard it's because parenting is spiritual warfare. And we're going to see that this morning from the book of Ephesians chapter 6. If you'll follow along with me, beginning in verse 10, here's what the Apostle Paul says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. A few months ago, my wife and I were on vacation and her mom was taking care of our boys. And when we got back to the house, her mom came to me and he said, Philip, your son who's in first grade had a question that he asked me while you were gone. And I told him, just wait till your dad gets home. He'd be a better one to talk to you about that. And I didn't know what I was in for when my six-year-old walked into the room, a first grader uh, getting settled into elementary school. And I said, what's on your mind, son? And he said to me, dad, do you have sex with mom? This is a six-year-old first grade. And after my jaw came up off the floor, and I processed what was going on. I said, well, how did you hear about that? And he said, well, there's this, there's this kid in my class. And as soon as he said it, I knew who it was. Because this kid has been troubled throughout the year. And so uh, he said, yeah, we were waiting in the bus line. And apparently this kid was just holding court. He was explaining it to multiple first graders that were right there, all the ins and outs of it. And I said, well, what did he tell you that sex is? And he, he starts giggling. And, and he says, he says here's, what's hap- here's what happens. Two people go into a room by themselves and they close the door and then they turn off the lights and they start kissing each other. And then he really starts laughing to himself. And then they rub their high knees together. (laughs) And I'm trying to hold it together in that moment and saying, Hey, listen, 
This kid may think he knows what he's talking about, but he doesn't know anything. And so you don't need to pay attention to him when it comes to this topic. But it struck me, I know with me raising four boys, ages eight down to two, I'm going to be having the birds and the bees conversation plenty of times. I just didn't think that I might have to do it for the first time at age six. But our culture is not waiting to disciple our children. And that means if we are going to be engaged as parents, we need to be willing to engage these difficult issues whenever the need and opportunity arises. And we're going to find the foundation for doing that this morning here in Ephesians 6, because what Paul is showing us as he brings this letter together, he ties it all up saying, finally, in light of everything I've said, you need to see your whole life through the lens of spiritual warfare, that, and that includes the category of parenting. And if this morning we see parenting as spiritual warfare, what that's going to do is give us three key things we need to impart to our children. And here's the first one. Parents must give their children a purpose to pursue. Do you see in verse 10, Paul tells us what that purpose should be. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The center of the Christian life, the motivation is that we might be strong in the Lord. That we should find our strength in our God. And the reason that we need to have purpose is that purpose enables perseverance in the midst of the battle. If a soldier doesn't have a clear purpose in mind for why they are waging war, it's going to be difficult to press on. And as parents, we need to ingrain that purpose in our children. Now, have you ever noticed that young children need to use the bathroom at the most inopportune times? It's mind-blowing. It's like they have a sensor to know exactly when the worst-case scenario would be. And one of the things that we do in our home is right before the school year starts, I take each of the boys off on a one-on-one fun night. And we go out and we grab a drink at Sonic. We might go to Academy and check out all the shotguns and the archery and the fishing lines and all the different sports that are there. And we were in Academy with my five-year-old. And what I try to do is I have intentional conversations with them. Here's what to expect for the year. Here's how, how the things are going to work. Do you have any questions that you want to ask me or to talk about? And my five-year-old's just processing everything. He's not asking a lot of questions. He's not saying a lot. But as soon as he needs to go to the bathroom, we slide in there. And as he is doing his business, he looks up at me and he says, Dad, I have a question. And it's a question about God. And I thought, okay, well, this is a kind of random place to be talking about God. But what's on your mind? And he says to me, God, Dad, do you think God poops? <laughs> and I thought, well, I've never thought about that before. Why do you ask? He says, well, I hope that God poops, because if he poops, then he could poop on Satan's face, and that would kill him. (laughs) He said, I bet if he poops, he probably poops on a golden toilet. And I thought to myself, that's like a five-year-old version of Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Okay, son, I see what you're doing there. See, when we talk about needing a purpose for our children to pursue, we need to not just be talking to them about the what of Christianity and how we are to live as Christians, but about the why, the foundation for it, because the foundation is the key to the fight. 
And the culture is always trying to give our children another purpose. They're trying to have that purpose center on themselves. What's good for me? Or they're going to have it centered around fame. What's good to make me important to other people or to pursue success in the American dream? The culture is constantly trying to feed your children a purpose. And we must fight the good fight of the faith by countering that with a godly purpose. Your kids will never press on in the faith unless you are constantly reinforcing the gospel purpose of their life. So here's one of the ways that we do that in our home. We want to embed the purpose of the gospel in our children by focusing on what we call five loves. We want to help our children understand five loves in the rhythms of our home. The first is we want them to love Jesus. We want them to hear about him, to know him, to ultimately enter into a relationship with him. The second is we want them to love our family. We want to be a united front. We want to be connected and intentional in our engagement with each other. The third is that we want them to love community. First, the community in our church. And that's why we always are hosting people in our home and connecting them to other people in our church, but also in the community around us here in Nashville. We're trying to help them connect the purposes of God to loving our community. But we also want our children forth to love fun. We want to always be having a good time to help them see that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And this is what it looks like in the Christian life of the family. And then the last thing we want them to do is to love their heritage, their background, where they are. And for us, that means they need to learn to love Texas A&M and the state of Texas. And so we're constantly reinforcing that connection as we are in exile from the Lone Star State. But we want to tie that purpose, that gospel framework for our lives, to the way that manifests itself in love. And if we want to help our children to press on in the faith, the first key to the fight of the good fight of the faith as parents that we need to embrace, Paul says here, is we need to give our children a purpose to pursue. But look with me next. In verse 11, he gives us a second key foundation. He says, parents must give their children an identity to embrace. Do you see what he says there? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. He says, in other words, the identity that we want to embrace ourselves and to impart in our children is that they are soldiers of the risen king. They are are to take on the full armor of God. Now, one of the things I didn't realize I was signing up for when I became a dad is to become an expert in the use of the Allen wrench. You know what the Allen wrench is? It's that tool you have to use to assemble that crib that you had when they were a baby or that Ikea furniture because you don't want to buy nice furniture when they're young because they're just going to destroy it anyway. I feel like I could have a PhD in assembly in these one-size-fits-all, easy-to-assemble, cheaply-made pieces of furniture. And it's often the case that as parents, we think we can have an Ikea furniture mentality to raising our kids. Or it's one size fits all. If it works for one, it should work for the other. It should work for any situation. We are always looking for the path of least resistance. But if we truly want to shape the identity of our children, we need to recognize that it should come through custom craftsmanship. That if we want to shape identity, it requires intentionality. So in my home, we've got four boys. The first one's the boss. The second one's the engineer. The third one's the jock. The fourth one's the mayor. 
That's their, that's their nature. And if I treat one as if he's like the other and don't customize it to his unique set of circumstances and dispositions and personalities, then I am missing the opportunity that God has given me to shape his identity. And what is that identity? To be good soldiers of Christ Jesus. And, and when Paul talks there about putting on the whole armor of God, he is picking up on an idea that he uses throughout his letters. So he'll talk elsewhere about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. Putting old things behind you and taking up new things. And when he says here, put on the full armor of God, he is saying, put on Christ, who is the full armor of God. Christ is the one by which we can take up that full armor and we are seeking to embed that reality in the lives of our children that they are called to be soldiers of Christ. So our family, just like yours, I imagine, tries to be in a regular rhythm of family devotions. And with four boys, I feel like our family devotions are one part Bible study, one part comedy routine, and one part WWE wrestling match. And there are times in which we finish and we put our kids to bed and I'll look at my wife and say, what just happened? And you think nothing is ever going to break through. And you don't see the day-to-day development and differences. But the key here is if we want to be intentional in shaping the identity of our children, then we must be consistent in planting the seeds of the gospel in their lives in order to help them to develop the faith. And that's exactly what leads us to the last idea here in verse 13 from Paul. To lay a foundation in parenting built on spiritual warfare, the third thing that we need to do is parents must give their children a battle to fight. Do you see what he says in verse 13? What's the battle? He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand firm. If you were to leave here today and travel back home and to say to yourself, what is the focus of what I should do when I return to my home? You should be asking yourself the question daily, how am I equipping my children to stand firm against the challenges that they will face today and in the future? You know, yesterday we prayed for Hurricane Harvey, which made landfall overnight as a Category 4 hurricane. And there's significant damage to my home state of Texas. And there's no surprise what got damaged and what survived the the force of that storm. Those things that were poorly constructed, that were built on poor foundations, those were the things that were the first to go when the crisis came. But other things were built on a good foundation. They had a solid framework. And when the storms came, they were able to stand firm. For us as parents, what we need to be doing is helping our children to establish a foundation centered on Christ. And a framework rooted in the gospel so that no matter what the storms of life may bring, whether it's the peer pressure of today or the crisis of tomorrow, they will be able to engage the battle that God has called them to, just as the Apostle Paul says here, by standing firm. And one of the best ways we can lead our children into the battle is by modeling what it means to fight the good fight of the faith in our home. We're not just seeking to tell our kids that you need to engage in spiritual warfare. We're saying, watch me, because I'm going to show you what it looks like. And for what that means for our family is we are trying to set a gospel culture in our home, that we're on the same team, 
that we're not fighting against each other. We're not turned inward on one another. Our focus is outward as a united band of joyful warriors in the Bethancourt home, marching in accordance with the call of our risen king and commander, Jesus Christ. That means we're going to be quick to apologize and quick to forgive. That means we're not going to keep long records of right and wrong. That means we're going to encourage one another and spur one another on rather than tear one another down. And that begins not just in the way that we parent, but in the way that we engage our spouse. Because you know what it's like when the battle that you're seeking to fight on behalf of your kids becomes a battle between you and your spouse. And you can't be consistent in equipping them to fight the good fight of the faith if you're constantly fighting with one another. And so if we're going to press on in the call to take parenting as spiritual warfare, we need to recognize what Paul calls us to. We need to give our children a purpose to pursue, an identity to embrace, and a battle to fight. You know, I told you about my uh, six-year-old son asking me what sex is. And after we talked for a little while about his experience with his troublemaking friend who had given him this false idea of what sex is all about, I asked him, I said, well, do you want to learn about what sex is? I said, we can talk about it tonight or we can talk about it some other time, whatever your choice is. And he stood there and he thought real deeply. He said, how about next Tuesday night after dinner? (laughs) The culture isn't waiting until next Tuesday night after dinner to influence your children. And we can't wait either. And the key for each one of us as we go forward and head back to our homes this morning is to recognize that when parenting is hard, it's for a reason. It's because parenting is spiritual warfare. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I pray that if there are those here that are weary in the battle, who are frustrated by the challenges they face, they just can't seem to find a breakthrough with a particular child in their home, or there's a besetting sin, or maybe they realize that the challenges they face are not just issues with their children, but things they see in their their own lives, and it exposes their own hearts. I pray for everyone in this room who is weary in the midst of the battle, that you would help us to stand firm, that you would help us to fight the good fight of the faith, and we would do it by being strong in the Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the ERLC podcast. To subscribe, visit ERLC.com. And tune in next week as we begin a special series featuring host Trillia Newbell. This series, called How to Handle, will tackle tough issues with the hopes of equipping the church on how to navigate each topic, care for those struggling, and minister to those who need the power of the gospel to heal and move forward.